You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. My name is Michael Kushner, and Happy New Year! It is 2022. How incredible is that? I know 2020 and 2021 were, were hard, but we got a lot of really great things done in those years. Uh, we have to be proud of ourselves. We're surviving a pandemic, and I know it's easy to get discouraged by all the memes on Instagram and TikTok and see that, you know, the past years were were super difficult, but we also have to be proud of ourselves. We're still standing. We're still creating. You're still doing things for your career. I mean, you're listening to this podcast. Why else would you listen to this podcast? I wouldn't listen to this podcast if I wasn't trying to make my career better. Okay, that's not a great sell. What a great way to start out this podcast of 2022 but we're all about honesty here right and <laughs> oh gosh okay so i uh, just a few things to catch you up on before we start the episode officially uh thanks for your patience i took the month off of recording or releasing an episode of dear multi hyphenate i needed it uh as much as I love doing this podcast, it's it is time consuming and it does require a lot of my focus. And at the Green Room Forty Two, we were navigating uh, putting up shows uh, in the middle of a pandemic, and I think we we did it pretty well. Uh, I'm proud of us and the team at Green Room Forty Two continuing theater making in a really really safe way as we. Um, you know, as New York City got hit over the head with Omicron, um, Omicron, you guys, it was, it was difficult, but we did it, and, uh, long live theater, am I right? Um, Dear Multi-Hyphenate, the, the book version, How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, is, uh, starting to hit its, its design element stage, which I'm really, really excited about. So more information on that. Again, that book, my book that I wrote in 2021, um, is being published with Rutledge Publishing, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Other than that, I think it's just, it's time to start the show. Uh, I hope you're all happy and healthy, and you're having a great start to your new year. I'm so glad that you're joining us. And I love you all. Thanks so much for listening. And of course, as always, subscribe, comment, rate, tell your friends, tell your family. 
uh, follow on Instagram at Dear Multi Hyphenate, or you could, if you want to be on the podcast, you could submit your story uh, at dearmultihyphenate.com, which is pretty much the hub for all Dear Multi Hyphenate stuff. That being said, I am so excited to start this episode with one of my best friends. He was my sophomore year roommate, and we had such a great time living with each other. He is chock full of incredible information and insight and facts and figures, and he's just a mush, and I love him. Josh Johnston is an actor, writer, producer, and director. On stage, Josh toured with the acting company in their 40th season, directed by John Rando. He has worked regionally, including the Ravinia Festival, where he's done shows like Passion and A Little Night Music and Annie Get Your Gun, which was all directed by the incredible Lonnie Price. He's now based in L.A., where he's begun pursuing work in TV and film, and most recently played a supporting role in the film To Leslie, which is in post-production and directed by Michael Morris. Now, he's coming on the podcast today to talk about all things multi-hyphenating, but his newest project, Radio Play Revival, is super exciting and includes legends like Samuel L. Jackson, Jessica Chastain, Boyd Gaines, and more to be announced. Josh Johnston's Radio Play Revival features great American actors performing great American works of literature. Performed by both established and new and emerging performers, musicians, and writers, Radio Play Revival pays homage to the golden age of radio in the now second golden age of audio. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Here's Josh Johnston. I am so excited because I have one of my very best friends. I'm recording in person. I think this is the first in-person recording I've done in a while, maybe in a year and a half, uh, pre-pandemic. But one of my very best buds, Josh Johnston, how are you? I'm very, very good and happy to be here. And we're recording in 2021. So if you're listening in 2022... Against all odds, we made it. I, well, we hope we did. Yeah, exactly. New Year's to we get have to, three so. days to go. Knock on fucking wood. Yeah. How's your morning? How is how is twenty twenty one for you? If you could, well, first of all, because you're dear multi hyphenate's biggest fan, we have two things. To Super get fan. Wear my t shirt. Thanks for the bucket hat. Yeah, you will literally like text me and be like, so in this episode, I'm like, Josh, why are you listening? Like, you get a free pass, but he's like, no, he actually listens, and it it makes my um. My heart flutter in every single way. So I'm going to give him the full Dear Multi-Ivanate experience. And that is, one, a quote. And that quote is, I'm becoming a professional nomad and enjoying that whole part of my life. And that is said by songwriter Dar Williams. And I wanted to know what that makes you, what what you think about when you hear something like that. Because um, I have thoughts as well. I don't think you can be a creative and not explore everywhere in the world. Right. It's I I I am a nomad myself and it has unleashed so many creative thoughts, musings, ideas, perspectives on my life and the shape of this country and the shape of the world and the shape of my place in all of it in this particular time the shape of water the shape of water yes <laughs> um my my relationship with water beasts yes no um <laughs> i think it's very important to explore and uh, be 
nomadic a bit. It's we are going back to our roots as mm-hmm. well. We all descend from nomadic people, mm-hmm. and there is something primal in that. Mm-hmm. And in an age of technology, and glowing rectangles, and digital handcuffs that we're attached to, it's good to go back to our primal instincts. You've since I've known you, which was you were my sophomore year roommate in college, and. I say to this day, and I don't care if my boyfriend's listening. October 3rd, 2009 is when we met. But yeah, go on. Was it really October 3rd? Yeah. You and freaking Gates, <laughs> you, you have that brain. It was raining, but yeah. It was. I, I feel like it was raining. I do remember that. But when was it not raining? Exactly. Um, but we were sophomore year roommates, and I'll see, I know my boyfriend is listening, but you were the best person I've ever lived with. Um, you just... Uh, you emulate and promote respect and boundaries and f- and also fun. Like you were just like you were always ready to have a good time, and you always were like, you know, this is my work time, and then as soon as I'm done, like you were just the best person to work with. Plus, our dorm room was like the cleanest ever. Yes, I've been told I have serial killer like tendencies when it comes to cleanness, <laughs> but. Ironically, I felt the most safe I've ever felt in my <laughs> yes, life. Um, so you, but the thing is, is speaking of those boundaries, is that you will always shut off when you need to. You will always say, "Okay, doors closed. I'm on my own." And I, you're the only friend that I truthfully will be like, I'll hear from him when he's in a place to communicate, and he's, you know, when he's he's done taking care of himself. And I respect that so much because I don't have that. At all. And I think as multi-hyphenates, that is one of the biggest things that we have to have because we have so many different people wanting things from us. And uh, when we put ourselves out that much, people expect us to deliver at all times, but we have to protect ourselves. And I feel like that's such a quality that I don't know where you got it from. I, I didn't. It came to me. I didn't. I've never always had it. Uh it came from learning about myself, but I uh, thank you for understanding that about me. Cause it's a big ask to say, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. But sometimes I think we all need that space to just sort of decompress or find our Zen. I don't, I don't do yoga and I don't, I don't meditate. So mine is just getting away from the phone and, and popping in, popping back into people's lives when I'm around. And it's a big ask for a friend uh, to just be cool with that. But I like wiping my feet at the door. I don't like constantly being on and having to go to sleep and wake up with my thoughts on what I need to do to survive and be creative every day. So uh, I'm I'm grateful that you have the patience for me to just sort of disappear for six months. And I'm grateful that we can just pick up a conversation. I believe in 2020, in November, when we spoke for the first time, it was the first time since you were sick in February of yeah. 2020. I mean, that's yeah. math guy over here. Nine months. That's a full pregnancy right there that we hadn't <laughs> spoken. I gave birth to a full COVID long hauler <laughs> yes. baby. I think I remember, well, you're, you're good with dates. I'm good with images. And... I remember I was laying on the couch FaceTiming you because I think my long hauler stuff was weird. I didn't know I was a long hauler still experiencing uh, chronic COVID syndrome, which I just learned is what they're calling it officially, until a month after I was doing an at-home workout. I was sick in March and then April I was trying to do an at-home workout and 
I thought I was going to die. I, I was in the gym three times a week. Mm-hmm. So a dinky at-home workout is going to be nothing. And then I couldn't breathe at all. And I was like, okay, this I don't know is good. And it nothing has changed since then. And But but I think finally by the time that we had FaceTime, I was like, I'm not feeling good. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. It, you know, it blows. But anyway, that is something that I wish that I could have from you because I I do... I am recording in this moment. I do have a, like my resp- and I've I've never been this way in the industry and I'm all about working through my things and delivering to people that are listening at like day-to-day uh issues and problems and discoveries and positive things, positive musings that I have on a day-to-day basis because that's the realest thing and right now in this moment as I close out this year the hardest thing that I'm dealing with is and I thought I had such a good grasp on them is boundaries because I'm waking up in my current work situation. And I mean that as a whole overall as a multi-hyphenate, all the projects that I'm taking on. Um, I've never experienced this before, but I am sort of waking up in this cold sweat panic, constantly checking my phone, sleep sleepless nights. And um, I think in order for me to get over that hump I have to take a lesson from you and sort of go this is my time this is what I'm going to need to focus on my projects and on my artistry and on my relationship with you I'm going to need this week off or I'm going to need this month off or something like that and then I can recalibrate because every time I every time I'm with you after we you do have that moment to yourself where you're driving across country or you're out in LA which we'll get to Whatever it is, it's there's so much to talk about. There's so much to connect on too. There's so much life that has happened, and it's like texting and FaceTiming and calling every day is a very new thing in our society. You know, we wrote, we used to write letters to each other or catch up over dinner or things like that. And you still, you still bring that to the forefront. That there's um, relationships marinate with you. That comes from growing up in a in the woods of Connecticut, basically where there to this day in 2022 is no cell service. Right. And so when you, when you tell a friend at 10 years old, my dad'll drop me off at your place at three 30. Or when you say at 27 years old, I'll meet you there at three 30. If you don't show up, you know, clear your date for the funeral. We're going to show up. And, and that's, that's very, important in in my life and and the friends i have from childhood's lives as well you know i'm stressed now too but there are moments in my day where i say okay cross off what you need to do today and if it's not done it's not the end of the world so since you were a hockey player and you felt connected to sports and still do. Was that a way that influenced your artistry at all? Or was it just something? Because what I talk about on the podcast a lot and something I talk to you about is what defines multi-hyphenate. And it's an artist who has multiple proficiencies that cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. And with some people, the way that they approach sports is artistry who am i to decide what is art you know what i'm saying exactly so um would you say that was a part of your hyphen would you say 
that was a part of your artistry or it was just something on the side that got you out of the theater and you didn't have to think about the industry for a while? A little bit of everything, I think. Um, I've played just about every sport except for American football under the sun. And it's a great way to trick my body into working out without like working out. Sure. So I'm staying in shape. I'm keeping the body healthy and Mm -hmm. active uh, not flexible, but uh, at least active. So there's there's that aspect to the multi-hyphenate part of being creative. There's also a discipline that comes from it. Um, what I do these days is I, I, I backpack a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll backpack for about 60 miles off trail um, in most recently in Yosemite. And being an athlete in that regard whether it's uh, with a pack on your back or whether it's with, you know, skating um, in a contact sport or playing softball or, or baseball or whatever it may be, there's a focus, there's a level of concentration there. There's often a teamwork aspect, but also there's a solo level of discipline needed to accomplish that goal. Uh, I, I think I think sports and, and performing go, go hand in hand. Um, I, I really do. They're, they're on at the, usually the same times of night. Um, there's an audience uh, that comes to uh, applaud and they could jeer if it's if it's the villain. Yeah. Um, there are more and more cosplayers and everything. Well, well, athletes have been having their jerseys worn by by fans for years. Um, it's definitely a part of of my creative world. Like I said earlier, I don't do yoga. I don't meditate. It sounds ridiculous, but the way that I decompress is I get hyped up watching sports every night. Uh, Again, wiping my feet at the door. If my day is done, then I can go enjoy something else and not have to think about it. And that's for me, just personally for me, that's not reality TV. That's not the cooking network. That's I'm a bad student of this craft anyway it's not winding down with a movie or a tv show it's watching live sports so i was very fortunate in college to be able to do both um i was not a great hockey player but i stayed in shape i traveled around upstate new york over to ohio and down to pennsylvania and had the a wonderful unique experience as a collegiate athlete academic all-american not a big deal but anyway i don't like talking about that <laughs> um but but what that lended itself to was was more discipline for time management more discipline for being a team player more discipline for uh just understanding how to uh, take care of oneself um for a while, being an athlete in both baseball and, and hockey was easy. And then there becomes a point where suddenly you're no longer the best player. <laughs> Not even on your own team or in your own league, but sometimes even on your own line. And you have to pick up the pace. Well, as a scene partner, you My have God. always got to be on with yeah. your with your scene partner. You have always got to be giving them everything. And there is that, it's like jazz. It's that moment in the moment connection with someone where it's a head nod or if it's just a look on stage or if it's just a uh, a subtle gesture with your instrument or your stick or the bat or if you're a bass runner about to steal a bass it is a subtle moment 
between two people or a team or a line where you are so in sync with each other. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. So, like I said, they are very similar sports and performing. The crossover is not so great, but I figured, you know, I still play hockey, so there's a lot of there's a lot of sports out there, football and baseball, not a lot of hockey content. Um, one of my first acting jobs in New York, though, was as uh, featured extra on a uh, doomed television show on IFC called called Benders, uh, where I played one of the extras on the hockey team, and it was great channeling or being able to being able to use natural skills that I developed over my life uh, when the director would yell action. You know, can you hit the post on this shot with with the puck? Can you can you and this other actor collide into each other? Um, you know, for you know, for a shot, can you do something here? Uh, and it, it's that was very exciting to do. I think most people used to make their way into um, the New York television world by Law and Order, by playing a dead body or by playing you know the the the, the criminal. Nope, I uh, I made my television debut playing an athlete, and I made my film debut playing an athlete as well and i am quite proud of both of those that i was not a dead body in either in either medium talking about what you know you know yes it's it's it's, i think we that's something that i wish that actors actually realized so much more is you know when i have people come in we're recording in my photography studio i have so many actors that come in and they think that what they have to do is just be someone else and you should never be someone else in a headshot session or in an audition room. I guarantee you that if you were to just start doing what you know and showing up to auditions doing what you know, who you are is going to start showing up on your resume and on your website. Isn't that the toughest thing in the world, though? I mean, it's easy in some capacities to to say that and practice that. But in others, it's very difficult to do. For me personally, it's very easy to turn down an audition appointment because I can't dance. That is something I can't do. If it's for... You could read about it. I can't... I can carry a tune, mm-hmm. but I cannot sing Golden Age Musical Theater eight times a week. Right. I would be putting hundreds of people... At risk. At no, risk, no, yes. No, but I, that's the word. That is what I was going to say because I'm wasting their time and their money and their resources. There are better people for that uh, job than me, and I know that. There are other things I can do, but those are not among them. Right. And you can do a lot of good stuff. And please, you know, when I say uh, for some people sports is an art... The way that you just talked about it is exactly what I meant, you know. I wish people would, would, would see the correlation between the two. I mean, they are public figures. They, politics could be the same way. There are a lot of professions. We seem to put a microscope on on actors, on comedians, on artists. Not so much in 2021, 22, but uh, on, on, on politicians, on influencers. <laughs> but influencers. there is a magnifying glass on them. They are doing nothing they're doing nothing different than a plumber is doing on on his call. Mm-hmm. He is he is on his own stage. He is doing his job. Mm-hmm. There's just no audience. I think it's time we start glorifying plumbers. Absolutely. That's <laughs> there's your merch idea right there. Let's glorify plumbers. Glorifying plumbers. I love it. And it, as soon as like that's the thing is that's what I challenge. It's like I use the um, the trope actor. Uh, knitter and roller skater and it's like it's i use that trope because it's hard it's 
it's hard to find a way to combine those things to promote, you know, income and cross-pollination and how those affect the others. But if you're a plumber and an actor and a whatever, I would love to hear from you. And I would love, and you consider yourself a multi-hyphenate. I would love to hear from you. And I would love to know how those cross-pollinate. That's fascinating to me. Those, those types of people that can do, that are, are tradesmen, but also incredibly vulnerable in an artistic skill. That yeah. is fascinating to me. And you know, uh, we were talking about it earlier, um, off off mic, which is there's a stigma about you need to be uh, proficient in the thing you do. Uh, okay, yes, to a degree. I would rather be a jack of all trades mm-hmm. than a master of, of one mm-hmm. or none. I, you know, I, I, I would like to be proficient, more proficient with my hands. I'd like to learn how, how a car works or how, how airplanes stay up in the air. But there's always time to learn these things. And... The more I can learn, it will only influence mm-hmm. my art and yes. my creativity. I was, I, was, I was sore when I was not able to travel to Russia in college. Uh, the options were London and Russia. I, I've been to London. I, I grew up in London. I had not been to Moscow before. Right. That would have uh, The ironic thing about not being able to study abroad in college because I needed to stay in university to take more acting classes is I would have become a better actor if right. I had seen another culture. Right. The, any chance you have to throw yourself into an unfamiliar situation for better or worse, I say as long as it's safe enough to do so, you have to do it. Yeah. We only go around once. Gain that perspective. There's a backpacking philosophy, you know, the three types of fun. There's type one, type two, and type three. And type one is it's fun in the moment, and it's fun to talk about after. Uh, type two is, it's not fun in the moment, but it's fun to talk about afterwards. Right. And type three is, it's not fun in the moment, and it is not fun <laughs> to talk about afterwards. Uh, I live in type two. You know, if it's an uncomfortable situation, if it is a grind, if it is a it's stressful situation, if it is challenging me as a person, if it's challenging the things I believe in, my core principles in the moment, and I feel defeated... But afterwards, I can tell the story. I can recap the story to you with a smile on my face. That's type two fun. So you grew up in the East Coast, Mm -hmm. and you did New York City for a second. And you were doing a lot of gigs, right, that sort of promote this mentality. This, like, you're going to learn something from it. It's going to be fun to talk about later. So what are some of those things that you did I I have that I call for now jobs? For now jobs, yes. And some of them are for now and then a long time after. (laughs) Um, I I had... I, I. I was a waiter uh, when I interned at the Kennedy Center for two days. Uh, waiting tables and being a bartender is not something I can do. My brain, I'm stubborn by, by principle, and I'm hot-headed, and my brain does not uh, work that way to ma- balance 32 tables right. every night yes. at every every turnover. <laughs> so I have the utmost respect for those people. Exactly. That was one job, that, and that was the shortest job, two days. Um, but the rest of the resume is quite interesting because I knew I couldn't do that. A lot of New York jobs kind of went out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to walk dogs uh, on the Upper East Side whose lives were better than mine. Right. That would have led to just some sort of worm, uh, can of worms that I didn't want to go down. <laughs> uh, but some of the jobs I've had over the years in New York have provided me with that type two fun. Uh, I was a stagehand for concerts, outdoor concerts, the summer stage series in Central Park. I would deconstruct stages after Black Eyed Peas, Red Hot Chili Peppers would play, 
So cool. And we would work, you know, you basically show up at 1130 at night and you work until past dawn. Uh, and it's very physical work. And it, there are really no breaks. But one night of that is rent for a month or two. Wow. So I did a bunch of those gigs. Um, and it brought me to some pretty incredible places in time. I remember uh, Paul McCartney played uh, Yankee Stadium in the first year of the new Yankee Stadium. Not a Yankees fan, but I think it was either 2015 or 2016. I can't remember which one. But it's the first year. And I our breakfast were, you know, deli sandwiches at 5 a.m. <laughs> but sitting in center field. Pastrami. Yeah, yes, nice. exactly. Yum. Breakfast of champions. Corn beef. Sitting in center field of Yankee Stadium as the sun rises and it's quiet and there's no one in the stands oh. at dawn. How many diehard Yankee fans would kill for that moment? Right. I got to experience it and get paid to do so. Yeah. I worked the uh, Coney Island hot dog eating contest for four or five years. <laughs> That's wild. Non-consecutively. I, I, I knew the sound guy there, and I, I would be his assistant for it. And it was absolutely wild. Um, it's a lot of work that goes in, and they don't start loading in until about 18 hours before the entire thing. And then ESPN and NBC and everyone rolls their trucks in and takes over an hour before the actual... 10-minute competition. But I did that for about five or four or five years, uh, on and off over a course of six years. I was an audition monitor, which I loved. Uh, that was finally uh, Joy doing casting, uh, and Joy's now out in, in California. But when she had her casting company in, in New York, I started as an audition monitor, lining people up. And then they said, well, you know, do you want to read? And I said, absolutely. And so I got to be in the room, and that's something that everyone should try to do. I tried to do it at other places, but no one was as kind as Joy was. And let me, you know, these were callbacks. These were final callbacks. I wasn't just sitting at a chair. Uh, These are roles I'd never go in for. They would be casting Mamma Mia, or they would be casting stuff that I, I would not go in for. And yet I was up there with these actresses in the final callbacks. Everyone's off book. The music's going. It's not like a simple you know, scene and you're still holding the piece of paper. This was legit. And that is invaluable to an actor to understand not just the actress's process and how other actors prepare for a final callback, but to also see how the creative team, when everyone's in the room, how they go about deliberating Mm -hmm. who, who will move on to the next level. Um, And then the last job I had in New York before the pandemic was selling merchandise in the Broadway theaters uh, I worked for the uh, company Araka, and I started in 2016 or 17. I can't remember. And it was great because at any time we had between 6 and 14 accounts, which just means shows on Broadway. And I got to see Come From Away, and I got to see Beetlejuice and The Humans, and I'm, there were so many shows over the years. Mel Brooks, uh, his stint... Um, that was at the Lyceum. I can't remember. They they do all blur together. The Book of Mormon. You get to see them for free, most of them. Um, Wicked was the, the 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 show that kept the the lights on basically, yeah. and so I was there the most. And it was a very it was a perfect job. It didn't pay super well, but I had my days free to audition mm-hmm. when there was an audition. Sure. <laughs> but after three years of that and the pandemic hitting. And they furloughed all of us, and they said, no, Broadway will be back in three weeks. I huh. thought, you don't just shut down a billion-dollar industry for three weeks and pick it back up. Right. And when they furloughed us, I said, that is the kick in the butt I needed to not go back to a 
a cushy job. Again, yeah. the pay wasn't great, but it was so easy. Yeah. And I had gotten into that autopilot mode that New York can can let you fall into that trap of. Mm-hmm. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, yes, it's, you know, you say speaking of auditions when there are any. And then we, you know, hit the pandemic and there are none, literally. And there's starting to, you know, build back, which is great. But... We have those brains where you said something earlier that I disagree with. You said that you're lazy, and I don't agree with that. <laughs> I have seen, I see, I've seen you work, and I've seen uh, you have goal. Like I do not think you're lazy. You're also extremely educated and smart. Like you can wrap off facts. That you're also the best tour guide. Whenever I, whenever someone asks about you or whatever, I'm always like, Josh is also the best tour guide because he knows every fact about a random like boulder on the sidewalk and I'll be like that boulder actually blah, 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 tripped over, <laughs> which led to the filming of the movie but and I'm just like how do you even know this also why were they here if I had a tinder the bio would say a vast expanse of useless information and that I feel like that's the title of, <laughs> of this podcast as well so you started to create your own stuff and head out west so talk to me through that journey what was it like for you to literally know like you had to up and you had to change your location for you to start finding your version of success. Exactly. Because that's huge. That is a big thing to be like, I'm moving. Yes. Um, I never felt truly like a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker in theory and that I just get mad at everything here. But even, (laughs) but true New Yorkers, I will say true New Yorkers love their their borough love their city they love to show tourists that they know exactly where they know how to get them someplace but i just i would get angry here the elbows would come up in the subway i would try to teach etiquette by you know ramming people out as they're trying to enter the subway and without fail every month i would get sick just that's just what new york does to me yeah so when the pandemic hit i left the city and I, i grew up in connecticut so i went back up to my parents house in connecticut and i stewed for about three weeks on the unemployment website mm-hmm. i went for walks and i didn't really know what i was gonna do it's not like i was leaving it's not like i was in rehearsals for a broadway show mm-hmm. and it was taken away from me right i think i would have quit the business if that oh, happened to dude, me i do I not have that mental fortitude well clients have come in and they're like yeah i'm i i i'm you know a senior in college i'm like why yes exactly why are you in college wait until it comes back like yes i I don't know about you but i would i would 
have left. I would have said, I will come back. I'm deferring. I'll come back when college is, is ready. If I hadn't already established a career myself. Yes. Because, sorry, it's just all about, college is about experience. Yes. Not about Zoom. It's about experience. Zoom anyway. fatigue. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, um, I was wondering what was next for me. Because clearly for someone without a creative job in New York at the time, it was going to be a while before any came around again. Right. And so I decided to move to Los Angeles, where I was born, where I've spent seasons on and off for the last seven or eight years trying to make it work. Um, we were told in college uh, during our uh, a panel with a professional, they said, you're only the new kid in town once. And I disagree with that. You're the new kid in town every six months because everyone has a short memory. <laughs> So I would go to L.A. in, like, the fall winter, stay there for the fall TV season and pilot season. I would leave. I'd come back here for, like, the summer auditions and, like, summer stock and regional theater. And then I'd go back to L.A. and they'd be like, oh, oh you're from New York. It's like, yes, we've yes. met, like, several times yeah, before. We've literally had dinner together. Yes, exactly. How many times have I literally bombed at Chelsea and then I get an audition <laughs> yeah. the next week where I'm thinking, oh, my career's over. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. Exactly. So I, I made the decision. I said, I will never. It's much like what you just said about college. Why are you there? It said, well, I won't have a better opportunity than right now to try Los Angeles long term. Uh, the television and film, while um, less than moderately successful in, in New York, uh, theater a little bit more so. I was like, let's try something new. I'm only, I'm only 29, 30 once. Let me try Los Angeles for a long period of time. And just coupled with the danger, the excitement, the fear of... What I did is packed up my car and my life into that car and moved across the country. The fear that comes with that drove uh, and fueled this desire to be creative in a way that I had become lackadaisical in my um, for now jobs in the past. And so while right before I moved to L.A., I'd been ruminating on an idea of how to be creative while at home in the pandemic and it's okay if I'm creative at home in the pandemic, but how can I incorporate other people when we can't leave our houses? Yeah. So I I came up with an idea. It's it's not quite esoteric, but it's it's definitely for a niche audience. But the project I've been working on since seriously since November December of of 2020, uh, up through our debut on Christmas Day of this year 2021, is a project I'm calling Radio Play Revival, where I am reviving the radio drama format. Unfortunately, it's on a podcast. Nothing against podcasts, but it would be great if there was radio that people tuned into, you know? It's true. It's just, podcasts fascinate me. The fact that we're acting like this is live and people, you, you won't edit it until days from now and people won't listen to it until weeks from now. Right. It's just, the whole thing is fascinating yeah. to me. And, and you listen to wackadoos like me just go down a path that I don't know where it's going to end up. But that's what this platform is on, Radio Play Revival. And, you know, not just to thumb my nose at some of my experiences, but I've been told before, oh, you know, you were great, but that we went with um, we went with a Tony-nominated actor instead. Right. Or, um, you know, there's this British guy, he's great, it's an American play. It's just like, okay, well, okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and this country does fetishize the Brits and the Aussies a good amount. So I said, this project is a 
American actors performing American works of literature. So, if you were born in this country, you're in, basically. And we're going to celebrate the great writers of this country. And I, I told my managers about it, and they said, that's great. Good luck. <laughs> and I thought, well, at first I thought, oh, you're not going to help me. You're, you can produce as well. And then I thought, no one's stopping me from right. doing this. And all the little tools I've picked up over the last decade of being out of college, all the little things I did in college as side hustles. I was the guy in college with the video camera, and I would I would record other um, students' self-tapes for summer stock and, and all that stuff. Yes, and, you and, were. And I would edit that. And so... I hope they're. I hope they were satisfied with their tapes then. But that was me. What you were doing back then, learning the camera, mm-hmm. and little did we know that like that's what we would need a decade down the road. Yeah. But every little, every little, self-taught lesson of how to work a camera, how to work an Adobe program, more proficiently than we could work it yesterday, has been beneficial because I said, well, it's going to be hard to get so many people in a room. Why don't I just do? Just about everything. I have I have a co-producer, Stacy Levine, who who is uh, president and CEO of Groundswell Theatricals, who handles paperwork. She handles um, uh, contracts. She handles um, now creative ideas as well. Um, contacts in in the theater world, and I basically am on the other end, picking stories, thinking of actors, recording them, editing it, well, cutting it together, and then sending it off to an editor. That's three people. Mm-hmm. And then we have a production assistant who's on book for most of the works. Um, I'm reading the, the, the cue lines for the other actors. Wow. And there are essentially four to five of us. We hired a casting director um, who was fantastic in season one. When I, I went to him, Dave Caporelliotis, Dave Cap, and I said, you know, my interpretation of this story is despite it being a young couple, I see them as an older couple. And I want it would be great if they were married. And it's the episode that premiered on Christmas Day. It's the gift of the Magi, which is a Christmas story. And he, he came up with the idea. He, he said, you know, Sam, Samuel L. Jackson and LaTanya Richardson Jackson. How about that? And we got them. Swild. That was episode one. And from there, <laughs> I told my managers, I, I basically said, you know, if, if actors are like me, and I'm going to ping pong it back to you, and we're a little bit lazy by nature, and, <laughs> and I say that we will ship you the recording gear, you don't need to get out of your pajamas, you get paid for about an hour's worth of work, and you don't need to memorize it, it's all on paper, almost everyone, Michael, said yes. Yeah. And the talent... That this project, born out of the pandemic, out of a necessity for creative survival, has elicited, is unbelievable. We started with Keith David reading The Gift of the Magi, which premiered on Christmas Day. And we'll release one episode a week every Saturday for eight weeks. And it takes about a year to make eight episodes. Episode two features the incomparable four-time Tony winner Boyd Gaines narrating my favorite short story of all time, uh, An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Uh, featuring another actor, a dear multi-hyphenate veteran himself, Ryan Mack, yes. um, as the as the protagonist of that story. Currently on the Wicked tour under Setting Fierro, Wait. and gets to say the iconic line, Look, it's Linda! <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure he kills every yes, night. Yes, I'm sure he does. 
Uh, episode three doesn't slow the momentum at all. It's Michael Yuri and Jessica Chastain. I should say Jessica Chastain first. She is narrating the yellow wallpaper <laughs> and wild. going insane over 40 minutes of incredible, incredible early feminist writing. Wow. When they didn't know how to deal with what we believe to be postpartum depression. Wow. It doesn't stop there. You know, the, the talent that said yes from Stephen McKinley Henderson to... John Benjamin Hickey, and I'm going to forget so many people, to my friends, the talented people that have been in works of mine that have never even seen the light of day. Ryan, Catherine Allison, currently in company on Broadway, Kelly Fairbrother, uh, a, a college class, classmate of ours. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting so many others. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, I paired Marilyn Caserta um, with Jarell Jerome for two John Patrick Shanley plays. The, wow. the idea being two actors in rep, and I'm quoting here on this audio platform, two actors in rep playing two different characters in two different John Patrick Shanley one acts. Wow. And what did the man him say, himself say when we went, approached him and said, we're looking to you know, do this series? He himself said, have fun. Wow. People are, I think there's a group of people that are craving work like this and i'm happy to produce it because i needed something to do and i'm so grateful that it got me back into literature mm -hmm. it got me into new mediums i've never really explored before producing producing is tough do your multi-hyphenate that's for me a professional googler i have learned everything that i am a hyphenate in by googling it <laughs> and not just slapping it together but by taking time over years and years and Becoming as proficient as I can, as I can, in those skills, so that when something comes out, I'm proud of it. the The same way you are with every single project you do. It, for me, though, I was in a rut because I had lost a job and I did not have an acting job yeah. to fall back on. Um, and I, I say I'm good for like one good idea a year, and thank God I thought of it in like March and not November, basically. Well, I think it's yeah. a really cool idea. You know, there was this immediate reaction when you said this Amer an American thing, and then I was like, I, um, I first, I first for a second was like, I literally was like, oh God, it's all American, and then I, I got nervous for a second. We also have so many things to fix within our own self. And I think there are so many incredible lessons in these plays, in these American works, that by looking at them with an eye of today, well, like you just said about Jessica Chastain and the yellow wallpaper, just like that is probably about what we now know as postpartum depression. It's like there are so many things that have been written that were written off at the time that it was written. But today we have a clear eye. And who can that help? Who, as, in a, as an American, can that help that has never paid attention to those lessons before? And I think today, more than ever, your project is needed more than ever. I, I, I think you're right there. I mean, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, who wrote The Yellow Wallpaper, um, has a brilliant use of irony in that short story. Her, the, the narrator's husband is a physician. He is a doctor, and he can't even can't even diagnose his own wife we have come so far in the hundred plus years since that short story of mm -hmm. being empathetic being open well a long time ago we used to be at the forefront of worldwide culture if we exported our culture instead of bombs we would be in a much better place right um there's a lot as you said 
that needs to be solved that doesn't take place behind a keyboard or behind a microphone like this. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to change the world because if I was, I would actually start a campaign to get Native American reservations clean drinking water. All right. But who put this soapbox under me as I'm talking about <laughs> this? <laughs> but speaking, um, well, speaking of yes. now jobs, remember I worked at a soap store. That's so right. Yes, gotta exactly. be, I got to have a stock in the back. <laughs> but, you know, my point to that is, is I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm trying to celebrate American literature with mm-hmm. great American talent. And if, if more people can understand a story about postpartum depression or if more people can understand a story about two, a Latino actor and a Latina actress performing two John Patrick Shanley plays about young children falling in love mm-hmm. written by someone who has a mastery of the English language in his words if if people can connect to that if they can listen to a story about New Orleans in the 1890s but not the New Orleans we think of of bright colors and carnival and Mardi Gras but of the other side of the tracks of a poor black family right and a young boy who's nine years old who is doing nothing but the right thing. They're tales of morality. They're tales of what made this country. Well, they're tales of what made this country, and by a product of that, Hollywood Mm -hmm. and American playwrights develop the um, genres of performing. Mm -hmm. Uh, An occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, episode number two, sort of invented the mold for the unreliable narrator. And it was written in the 1800s. Wow. So it's, I'm not just throwing darts at a dartboard and, and picking stories at random. I'm starting with, again, what I know. Mm-hmm. And those are from great English teachers I've had both in college and back in high school. And to a degree, back in, in elementary school. And, and, and starting there. And it's been really nice to see already people have been emailing the, the email address associated with the site saying, you know, I'd love to be a part of this, wow. you know, and, you know, playwrights, short story writers, contemporary short story writers mm. saying, you know, this is a great project, you know, and I say, send me your stuff because yeah. we need more voices out there. I'm faking my way through having a long catalog of stories at the moment, but stories that can depict America, not just the two coasts, but from coast to coast is what I'm aiming for. That's amazing. So as a producer, you know, the other night we just watched um, the Kennedy Center Honors, and when Lorne Michaels was getting honored, I think it was Kevin Nealon that was on stage, and he said, for those of you that are wondering what a producer does, first, just turn around and look at Lorne Michaels. Beat. That's what a producer does. So what in your eyes does a producer do? How did you get the equipment to your artists how are you financing this what in your eyes does a producer do in a certain project like this i'm smiling right now a producer this is gonna sound crazy but think about it a producer produces exactly they don't just make money right a producer produces i will say it again that means as a producer i got the equipment I assembled, I I contributed to the assembling of the talent. I scheduled everything with the production assistant. I uh, will take the correct cuts. So no actors performed together because it's a, it's a, it's not sort of, Michael and I are recording on a table right now opposite each other. And this is even different for you. Yeah. You normally record 
been a year and a half since I've seen someone across a mic like this. I require my actors to do a minimum of three takes each of each line. Wow. Because we got to make sure some heater's not going or some horn isn't honking or anything like that. So you have three takes by each actor of each line in each episode. My job as a producer slash director is, when I record the next actor, is to keep the second actor in the same world as the first actor. (laughs) And then when you do an episode like Zingu, which features everyone from Michelle Williams to Anna Devere Smith to Eva Marie Saint. I mean, I just, that's that's like one of my first crushes. It's amazing. But a Hitchcock girl is now in one of my radio plays. It, it's it's staggering, really. But when you get to the eighth actor and you're trying to keep them in the same world as the first actor, you are producing a story, basically. You are keeping together the web of interpretations in the same universe. So is that the easiest way to do it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Am I stubborn? Absolutely. Yes, That's the are. way I'm going to do season two as well. You better believe you're stubborn. But a producer produces. A producer spends hours up late at night Googling how to get a podcast onto a podcast platform, how to yeah. think of advertising, how to succeed in business without really trying. Yes, what? <laughs> or try a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, and I thought of Bobby Morris for something. Um, cool. Yes, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. He does not know about this. Breaking news! I've you thought of him. I thought of him for an episode. Um, no, a producer does everything within their power. I think to keep their project alive. Um, that is lending a hand wherever it is needed. Mm-hmm. You're always on call basically you're always seeing if there's a squeaky wheel mm-hmm. and i know that i'm not proficient in some things we've established dancing and singing but some of it is paperwork and the first person i called was stacy levine and i said i don't i every, <laughs> every contract i've ever made for sag uh to shoot a short film <laughs> if mostly fudged my way through um they just get in the way so uh the the unions (laughs) just get in the way and they want 2.5 percent um so i said stacy this has to be done correct (laughs) if we're going to go out to the talent we're going out to and so everything is done by the book for this and that is you could say that's the producer and me thinking i can't produce this but i know someone who can and who is proficient and who has professional experience in doing so and so Producer surrounds themselves with people that want to make art for art's sake, make their project uh, because they like the idea. And so many actors have said, this is what I studied. This is what I studied at Juilliard. This is what I studied at whatever college or whatever conservatory they went to. And they said, man, I haven't done this in a long time. I had an actor in our in one of our final episodes. He said, when you when your casting director approached me, with a play he said i cried he's been bulking up for a couple years trying to get into this i don't i've not seen a single one but like the marvel universe right and i'm not saying our dialogue is better i'm just saying that he said i i'm so glad someone thinks of me that way that i can do a play and not spew expositional dialogue right and that meant a lot to me because for the first time in my uh professional career I had that 
you can call it power. I had that power to give someone exactly what they wanted. And that was really nice to hear because I've been checking my work at every turn on this project. It's been a colossal undertaking, but what a time to do it. There's, I had nothing else holding me back right. to do so. And if I can give those people that opportunity, even for a couple hours in a day, in a full year, I am so grateful that my idea has provided that for them. I'm obsessed with that, Josh. Mm-hmm. I love that. Where can we find you on social media? You can't. Right, I knew I, that. I, uh, I, we were living together when I got rid of Facebook, so that was 2010. Uh, Literally, I could tell you the profile picture I had when you got rid of Facebook, <laughs> and it was the one where I turned myself into a Pokemon card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Well, that was the very first probably season that we were like, hey, these meme things, uh, we can meme ourselves. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knew that they would be as big as they were, but wow. we started memeing ourselves, basically. No, I got rid of all social media, and I got hours of my day back. It was yeah. wonderful. So yeah. you can't find me on social media. You really can't. I, I don't even have one of those burner accounts to, like, drum up good news. Uh, I just, I don't have any interest in that. So you can't find me, but for my latest, and I got rid of my website too. I was like, why am I spending money on this? I'm spending like $152 on something that like uh, Wix, no free ads. Wix said uh, like, oh, you're getting like nine people a month visiting your set. I was like, sick. I'm sitting at home. So like, what's that doing for either of us? (laughs) Literally. Yeah. The less time I can spend on my glowing rectangles, the better. Because you spend all day with your little glowing rectangle, and then you type on your medium-sized glowing rectangle, and you wind down by turning on your big glowing rectangle. (laughs) So the less time I spend on all of those, the happier I am. Uh, But you can find my latest project, my first foray into directing and producing. And hey, spoiler, it's pretty freaking exciting uh, to do that stuff. You can find the project anywhere you find podcasts and the title of the piece is radio play revival and you can go to radioplayrevival.com to see our season one cast list to read the bios of all eight episodes and on every page we shove it down your throat click here for spotify click here for apple click here for a thousand other podcast platforms i've never even heard of but you can find it anywhere on our website radioplayrevival.com or you could just go into your little mini glowing rectangle and search for it on spotify or apple or anywhere and please subscribe and smash that subscribe button smash that subscribe button (laughs) tell your mom tell the boys tell your friends um (laughs) and uh you know i i hope that out of it if you're going on a camping trip with 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 your friends and you want a scary story that you tune into the yellow wallpaper or you tune into episode one of season two that i'm recording now if you want to gather around in the holiday time and listen to the dulcet tones of Keith David, Samuel L. Jackson, LaTanya Richardson, Jackson, and Catherine Allison. You tune in and sit together as a family and enjoy that. If you're on your commute, if you're having trouble falling asleep, they're top-notch actors performing. I did nothing. I, I just, I, I directed these people. That just means I kept them in the same world. These are top-notch actors performing top-notch literature in a spoken format. And I didn't shove down some, like, sound effects down your throat either. They're just, they're having fun and letting the words do the work. And it really is something special. I'm so glad that you joined me today, Josh. Thank you for being on this episode. And I can't wait for us to have another episode together. And um, 
you're the best and it's always so good to see you and of course talk to you because it's always a very stimulating conversation i'll see you in five years when i'm resurface again <laughs> yeah, yeah, see you five years. um thank you all for listening thank you to broadway podcast network alan dory katie yo you are all incredible and as always uh follow at dear multi hyphenate on instagram or go to dear multi hyphenate.com and if you want to share your story on the podcast on dear multi hyphenate please email me at dear multi hyphenate at gmail.com or submit on the website dear multi hyphenate.com as always subscribe comment like do all what you got to do what josh said tell your mom tell your boys tell you whatever <laughs> tell your science teacher uh get involved Can't wait to tell you more about the book, all that jazz. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Love you, Michael. Love you too, Joshy. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.